Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. club we're here to praise the king it's resurrection day hallelujah i like what it says in hebrews that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together even more as we see the day approaching that day is approaching church it is approaching i'd like to welcome all our guests we're glad to have you with us this morning it's good to see the grasses here this morning we missed you guys your family right you're part of this family they're singing this song, and it reminds me to turn to Malachi chapter 4, the last chapter of the Old Testament. It says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven all the proud, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up. 
say the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. I've said before that, church, we're going to burn. We're going to burn whether we choose to or whether we don't. Is your soul on fire this morning? But I like what it says here, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as the calves of the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's praise him this morning. Let's put the devil under our feet. The, he, he said that we're going to crush the head of the serpent, amen? And in that final day, he's going to look at him and he's going to say, that lake of fire, that was created for you and your hordes. And he's going to crush the serpent. We'll give our ushers to come this morning as we worship the Lord in our giving. God, we praise you. God, it is a opportunity, God, that we often take for granted to gather in this house, God. God, I thank you that we can come here and be a united people. God, that we can come here without fear this morning. Without fear that there are rockets flying over our heads. Without fear that people are going to come and shut us down, God. But we can freely worship you this morning. The King of glory. We praise you, God. Lord, God, be with our pastors. He preaches this morning. God, touch the hearts of everyone in here. Use this offering, God, to bless your kingdom. Lord, we praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. With the walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near, and I will fear no
up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something right now. He is up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something right now. He is healing someone. Sweet. 
I hear that song I think about people who have struggled with addiction their whole lives or a lot of their lives and the secular world will put you in programs and they will 
get you off of whatever it is you're addicted to, but then they'll still tell you you're, you're an addict 30 years later. But when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. There's no label that goes on that any longer. The label is free. <laughs> so whatever it is you're struggling with, Son sets you free. You are free indeed. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, praise team. Good morning, Fountain of Life. We're so glad you're here. All those watching online, thank you for being with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. And as you're turning there, don't forget tomorrow, Monday with Mick. Don't forget Tuesday prayer. Don't forget Wednesday, truck and treat. Uh, be here early. Get your vehicle set up. Uh, lots of stuff going on this Saturday. Uh, men, we're, we're going bowling. Ladies are uh, setting up at the uh, fire department in Danville for uh, their fall festival. Friday night at the park. Uh, the praise team is going to be singing with Wes Logan and New Haven Churches, so uh, if you can go and be a part of that. But if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to prove Adam wrong again. I'm going to read more than one scripture. I can do it, Adam. You might get crazy eyes later, but I can <laughs> uh, And just so you all know, tonight, 630 Angie will be speaking, but not only will she be speaking, she's going to be singing tonight. <laughs> Dylan, uh, he caught her out and he pulled his end of the bargain. So tonight, Angie's, I think she's going to sing. Um, she, I, I mentioned her bringing a soundtrack CD, but David said she was bringing a cassette. Like, it's, it's that old. We got to rewind it to get it back there. But, uh, I, 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 but that wasn't me that said that, Angie. That was David. I, I went CD. But uh, I'm going to quit right now. Uh, all right. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that is coming to me. So he divided his wealth between them, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country, and there he squandered his estate in wild living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, and he began doing without. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to have his fill of the carapods and the that the pigs were eating and no one was giving him anything but when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired laborers have more than enough bread but I'm dying here from hunger I will set out and go to my father and will say to him father I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son treat me as one of your hired laborers so he set out and came to his father but when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him 
and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf, slaughter it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. Happy, would you pray over the reading of the word this morning? Amen. Shake somebody's hand. Let them glad that you're. Let them know you're glad they are here. And if you want to stay in that portion of scripture, we're going to read through some of that again. So if you want to stay there in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter fifteen. How many knows that we all make mistakes? None of us are perfect, right? So it, it, it's easy. I put this on Facebook yesterday, and I was waiting on a bunch of people to send me messages and tell me I misspelled something, and nobody did, and then we, I was walking through the house, and Selena went, Mick, and she was like, never mind, you meant to do that, right? And I was like, what, the, the, the slide? And she said, yes, and I said, yes, but I said, I was waiting on somebody to call me out on it, but, uh, but we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. All of us, we have areas in our life that we struggle in. We have places that we struggle at. And it's easy for a lot of us to be defined by the mistakes in our life. Many people, Rob, they have been defined by the, the mistakes in their life. Many people have wrote them off and counted them out and discredited them because of things that they have done in their past. So understand this. Before you do that to somebody, why don't you rewind and look at where you once were? Understand that we've all made mistakes. Yes, we, we categorize and label and, and make some bigger than others, but we need to look at our lives before we start criticizing other people. You know, one mistake does not define you because God is bigger than our mistakes, right? So um, it's football season, and, and, and it's one of the best times of the year. Our high school football team, Scott, they're having a great season uh, there's already excitement building up for this Friday's game. It's a, a huge game for, for Scott. It's a kind of a, 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 a revenge game from last year. We went to Winfield last year, was undefeated, and Winfield beat us. This year they're coming to us, and we're looking to kind of rebound and, and defend that loss. But I, I think it's funny how people support their football teams. We, I mean, like yesterday, we were on, uh, everybody's watching Saturday football, and, and we got people wear jerseys, uh, all kinds of crazy things to show their loyalty to fans. They paint their faces, they shave their chest, and like even, even like ugly people do stupid stuff. I'm like, man, you do not want to draw attention to yourself on TV, but they do. But uh, Polka's announcer, like everybody's made fun of him all weekend, that dude was crazy. And uh, I'm just, if I ever sound like that at Scott, y'all let me know because I quit. But, uh, <laughs> but I think it's just funny how, how we do when it comes to sports. But there's something about football that just kind of captivates people and gets their attention. I think one, especially in our situation, when, when you're in a small community and you've got a team that is doing really well, I think it creates community. I think when you have a team that is doing well, 
It kind of fosters fun in the community. Uh, You've kind of got that drama-filled atmosphere in the community. But nothing is more dramatic than when a a weekend like this that will come down to a wire-to-wire game and and really season seedings, you know, what we're going to be ranked in the playoffs, all those, uh, uh, you know, are up for grabs this week. And and I think it makes it really dramatic. But this season is probably one of the best seasons Scott football has ever seen. So when we look at each other's records coming into this week, it's interesting to me, Winfield's only lost one game to probably the number one team in, in AAA. We've not lost a game. So you've got two really good teams, but even though we've not lost a game and Winfield's only lost one, neither team is perfect. We've, we've watched uh, several games with Scott this year that we've realized, man, we better fix that or it's going to be exposed in a bigger game or a better game. But, you know, Scott hasn't lost, but we aren't perfect. We've struggled uh, this past Friday. The weather was nasty, and we struggled in a lot of aspects of the game. But when you think about it, none of us are perfect. And that's what I want to talk about today. Even though we are not perfect, you can still be a champion. There's only been one team in the NFL that went undefeated and won a Super Bowl. Every year, I'm not going to call them out because y'all know they're a great team. But, but I wasn't born yet, so it don't matter. But every year, we crown a Super Bowl champion that has a blemish on their record. And we call them champions. Champions make mistakes. David was a champion and made a lot of mistakes. Paul was a champion and he made many mistakes in his life. When you think about it, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. All of us struggle somewhere. We do things that we shouldn't do, Danny. We lose our temper. We don't keep our word. And at times, we compromise our convictions. So it's easy for us to be defined by the mistakes in our life by one one moment. Many people... You try to define yourself because of possibly a a, a divorce and you let that define your life or a, a business mistake and you let that define your life or how we raised our children and we let that define us. I'm here to tell some people today, one mistake does not define you. One mistake does not define you. God is bigger than your mistake. Nobody is perfect. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk about this, this young man that made a colossal mistake. Danny, it led him down paths that he never dreamed he would see. And we see this in the Gospel of Luke. We see the famous story of what we call the prodigal son. And in this parable, this young man, he says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. It's kind of amazing that a a young man would ask a living dad for his inheritance now. (laughs) He moves away. He parties. He lives wild. He hangs out with the wrong people. He loses all of his money, what should have lasted him for years, probably lasts him months. And now there's a famine in the land and no money, no place to live, and and nobody to blame. The only job he could find was feeding pigs. 
Things got so bad that he had, he had to eat what the pigs were eating to survive. It was at this point, after several bad decisions, that the Bible says that he comes to his senses and says, I must go home. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that is coming to me. And so he divided his wealth between them. And when Jesus said these words, give me my share of the estate, everybody that was there turns their ear and begins to listen. Because in Jewish culture, a request to say that was basically to say, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's basically what the young man was saying to his father. The, 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 the magnitude of this request would, would, I mean, it would crush a dad's heart. Dad, I wish you were dead. Just go ahead and give me my inheritance. The younger son wanted the benefits, Adam, of daddy's money, but he did not want a relationship with daddy. Dad, I wished you were dead. The youngest son, he wants freedom. He wants an opportunity to do what he wants to do with no daddy to say don't. Here he is, this young man's thinking, oh, I can go where I want to go. I can do what I want to do. You know, Larry, I I don't have to be in this place anymore. No more of this responsibility. Everything that I want to do, I can go do it, and everything's going to be all right. When dad hears his son talking like this, Ellis, geographically, that boy's living in, this, in the home, but his heart is already far from it. He, he's here physically, but his mind and his heart is, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be family. I don't want to have the responsibility. I I am gone. And I believe with all my heart that the father probably tried to reason with this young boy, but this young boy was determined, I'm going to do it my way. I hope y'all are getting this. Because this is the way we treat our heavenly father. We are the same way. If I can get out of responsibility, if I, my, 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 I'm physically, I, I, I'm here, but my heart is nowhere in this. I just want all your benefits and all your blessings, but I don't want to have anything to do with you. Oh, it's quiet this morning now. The father has tried to reason with his church. But many of us have already wandered away. We're here geographically, but our hearts are far from it. Many of you are listening to me talk right now, and you're even saying, I wish he would shut up so I can get there. I've got to be there at noon, so please stop. Oh, boy. There's a scripture in the, I think it's, I think it's in Psalms, maybe I'm wrong, but it basically says that God gave them 
to their own hearts. He did it with the king. They wanted a king, and God gave them to their own hearts. I, you've got me, but if you want to be like everybody else, I'll give you to your own heart and let you have a king. And it killed them. It hurt them. It, it, it was catastrophic. The father has tried to reason with this young boy, and at last the father says, I'm just going to give him the share. I'm going to let him do what he feels like he needs to do. Now, I don't know what times were back then. I don't know how this would have looked and what would have happened, but I'm sure dad didn't just have money laying around because their assets were horses and camels and donkeys and, and you know, and, and they didn't have money stored in banks, but they had animals and property. And, and I'm sure that you didn't just go, you know, uh, liquidate something very quickly. There had to be something that you had to do. So this father is willing to, to take a loss to satisfy the younger son. And here is how most scholars will tell you it turned out the younger son received a third of the inheritance because dad's still alive you're not getting half and he got a third and the older son got two-thirds because he stuck around to take care of the uh, of the property and the estate the younger son gets a third of the money and he goes into this distant land and he squanders it the bible says in wild living so when i think of wild living i'm sure he was drinking and partying and probably buying prostitutes. That's exactly what he was doing. He was in a pig pen before he got in a pig pen. He had the time of his life, Danny. He had all the friends in the world because he had money in his pocket. Parties day, party night. Women in both arms. He was like Ric Flair. Woo! Limousine riding, styling, profiling, jet flying. The good life. Dude had it made. He was the nature boy. I mean, life in the fast lane, he, he was, I mean, he, whatever he wanted, he had the father's money. And eventually, Ellis, money runs out. And I've said this before, when money runs out, friends say bye. When you're poor, you don't have women in both arms no more. Out of money, recession hits, and now he can't find a job. Verse 14, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, and he began doing without. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, and he sent care pods that the pigs were eating, and no one was giving him anything. He's broke. He's homeless. No friends. 
No women. Now he's got pigs on both arms. He's starving, feeding pigs, and he's Jewish. Here you have a Jewish boy feeding pigs. That's unthinkable. He's miserable. And his misery has caused him to do something that I hope a lot of us in the church do soon. And it's to come to our senses. The church better come to an urgency. He's in a dire place, and the Bible says that he finally, he comes to his senses, and he makes a statement and says, I would be better off as a hired person in my dad's house than I am where I am. At least they get enough bread to fill their bellies in a day. So, have you ever noticed how most of us want to get close to God when things aren't going well? When all hell's broke loose against us, that's when we're all ready to get close to God. But here's what I've learned. My struggles open me up to the Lord. And I have learned that pain will drive you to your knees. And I believe that every one of us can get closer to God if we get personal with God. We have to get so frustrated, Danny, with where we are in life that only God can change it. I know where I'm at and I've tried everything and I've come to my senses that I realize that only God can change my circumstance. We, a lot of times, happy... In Boone County, we call it, I'm fed up. You come to the place where you say, I'm fed up with my life. I'm fed up with my circumstances. I'm frustrated with the way I've been living, and I can't do this anymore. Nothing is going to happen in your life until you get dissatisfied with where you're at. He's wasted everything. Chris, it's all gone. He has squandered a third of his dad's fortune. And in desperation, he finally comes to his senses. Verse 17. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired laborers have more than enough bread? But I am dying here from hunger. I will set out and go to my father and will, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired laborers. Have you ever had an important conversation with somebody coming up and you start rehearsing what you're going to say to them out loud? You do that because you want to say the right thing. Like, or sometimes you'll, you'll even write it down. 
say, I'm going to rehearse this so when I, when I get there, I don't say it another way because I, I want to say it. It means something, and I want to say the very things that I mean to say. Well, this boy is already writing his I'm sorry speech. I think when, when I read this story and I see where he's at in his life, I'm sitting here in my mind and I'm thinking, why has he waited so long to go home? And then I ask myself, why did you wait so long to go home? Why, why is it that when we make a mistake or when we stumble, when we fall, when we do stupid we struggle going home. Why? Because we have guilt, we have shame, we have condemnation. All those things overflood us, and then sometimes going home is not a good thing because you've got busybodies and big mouths that sit in the church and say, well, why are you back here? Oh, boy. John Ortberg says this in his commentary about this. He said, When a Jewish boy squandered his inheritance among the Gentiles, if he even dared to return home, the entire community would gather upon his return and as a symbol of how destructive he had been and how he had broken the relationship with the community, broken the relationship with his family, and broken the relationship with his father, the entire community would gather together and when the boy tried to come home, they would take clay pots as a symbol of his life, and they would break them at his feet. Well, why would they do that? Well, why do we do that? We may not physically break clay pots at their feet, but I've heard, I've heard it with my own ears. Somebody go to the altar and pray, and they'd be like, well, uh, y'all know who she's living with. Y'all know what her mommy and daddy did. You know what she's doing. You know this. You know that. Listen, you did something too, and you're still doing something. She's getting saved, and you're running your mouth. Maybe we, maybe we need to throw clay pots at you instead of on the floor. Oh, boy. But they would break them at their feet and symbolize you've broken the community. You've broken the relationship. This brokenness has caused harm in our, in our community, Danny. This, this brokenness, I mean, you've broken everything that was good in your life. You've broken trust. You've broken the community. You've broken the heart of your dad. Your, your damage is beyond repair. And that's what it would show. So let this be a symbol of how, how, how broke you are and what you've done. They, this is the broken pieces of your life. You're not whole. You're not welcome. You're not family. You're cut off. You're dead to us. You cannot be put back together again. That's what they would do to someone. And they called it a kazaza. And in the Hebrew, it meant the cutting off. They basically would cut the young man off from the community. He was no longer allowed back. So, many of us in this room, we have felt that kind of brokenness. The boy knows what's waiting on him when he comes home. So he stays away. I don't want to be met at the gate with broken pots. I don't want my community to tell me what I already know. I know. People know. 
They don't need the church telling them what they did wrong. They need the church loving them back to Jesus. But he, we think we have to tell everybody their sins. Why would I need to tell Larry his sins? He's been living them out. He knows what he's been doing. He's come to his senses. He's come home. We don't, I don't need to sit and tell Danny, Danny, before you came to the altar today, you were this, 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 and this, and this. No, he came home. He's not broken anymore. He's home. But that's why he stays away. There's too much pain. I, I, I've caused pain on my community. I've caused pain on my household. My dad is mad at me. I, I, you know, I, I need help when I can't do this on my own. And then verse 20 says that he sets out to come to his father. I don't know how far he's from home, but this can't be an easy walk. I've done this, I've done that, and I've got to go look my dad in the face and tell him I'm broke. I've got to look the town in the face and say I've caused harm. And what I used to enjoy, now I'm a hired servant. Because he does not think for one bit that he's going back as a son. He was so broken. And he goes home. And there are people listening to me right now that you are broken. And church, this is a place where the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. But my question is, is what is it going to take for you to come home? Times are tough. Some of you look at your life and you wonder, how in the world did I end up here? Listen, we can blame the economy. We can blame our boss. We can blame our parents. We can blame our spouse. But until you come to the place that you stop passing the buck and take responsibility for your life, things are never going to change. He came to his senses. He owned up, Arville, to his mistakes. He took responsibility for his life. He, I have to own up to my sins. I can't blame what Danny's did to me for my sins. I can't blame my boss. I can't blame my wife. I can't blame the church. I can't. When it comes to my sins... I am responsible. And that's what this young man in this story did. When he came to his senses, he admitted he made a mistake. Nothing is going to happen until we admit we've made mistakes. Nobody's perfect. You have to say, I have to face the fact that I've not been living the way God's called me to live. I've been trying to live my life for me, and I've been doing it my way, and now I have to own up that that's the reason that I am where I am right now. When he came to his senses, he said, I've sinned against my father. And it's quiet. We have to admit we've sinned. We have to own up to our mistakes. And then we have to surrender our life back to the Father. 
Praise team, if you'll come. Verse 20. So he set out and came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now you have to understand culture. You have to understand culture when you hear that verse. Luke chooses a technical term to describe what the dad did. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. Running was for athletes, not fathers. The Bible, when you break that word down, it literally means that the father sprinted. The patriarch of the family, the man of great dignity, the man of great authority, he would have been dressed in an elaborate robe. So, wearing a robe, the, the dignitary of the house, the, 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 the authority of the home, Danny, always walked slow. He was dignified. A man of the father's stature, Chris, would have never ran. In order for the dad to have ran, he would have had to have gathered up the edges of his robe so he didn't trip. He sprinted. And then he would have to display his legs, which was a sign of he was naked. A man never showed his legs in public. was it done it was shameful it was humiliating a kid might do it a slave might do it but no father of this man's authority would never sprint to someone why does the father run because he can't stop thinking about his broken boy <laughs> Remember culture. If the community gets for it to him before I do, Kazaza. If the village gets to my boy first, it's going to mean brokenness. It's going to mean shame. It's going to mean humiliation, what they might do to him. If they get to him before I do, I may never get to him again. I might lose him forever. If they get to him, I cannot let that happen. So in order to keep my son, in order to keep my prodigal from being broken and being shamed and being humiliated, I'm going to be. I'm going to raise my legs. I'm going to show my, my skin. And I'm going to run. I'm going to be the one that runs to the broken. 
I've got to get to him, Danny, before anybody else gets there. I can't let one church member get to the door before I do because if they do, they may run them off forever. I've got to be the first one to my boy. I've got to be the first one to my daughter. He picks up his robe and he starts running. most remarkable part of the story the father does what no father would ever do he takes the humiliation of his son the father runs because the father never stopped loving that boy got for him, no matter what he was doing, daddy never left let's stop loving his boy I don't care how far he's went from home, I love him what can separate us from the love of the father nothing this is not the parable of a prodigal son this is not a parable of a resentful brother, this is a parable of a running father with eyes closed and heads bowed let's get personal let's get honest God I need you to help me with this addiction God I need you to help me with this anger God I need you to help me with this temper or or God I've messed things up so bad I need help if you'll be honest God will come running right now. When you get humble enough to say, God, I've come to an end of myself. I can't break this addiction in my own strength. I can't straighten up my life by myself. When you acknowledge you need God's help, He's going to make things happen. The boy had to come to his senses and come to the Father. You take the first step toward God, He's coming running towards you. This is the only place in the Bible that pictures our God running. God ran after the one who got off track. Think about it. He didn't run after the lepers. He didn't run after the, the he, he didn't go run to teach in the temple. He didn't run to, to meet with religious leaders. But he did come running to somebody that made a mistake. Nobody's perfect. God knew you would mess up. He knew we would get off course. He knew that at times we would would give in to temptation. And he did not base his plan on us making perfect decisions. God had a plan for our mistakes. God has a plan for your mistakes. He has a plan for forgiveness. And His plan is Jesus. He died on a cross to pay for the penalty of our mistakes. This father gets to this boy and he starts into this speech 
about how he's going to try to earn his respect and earn his money back. How he's going to pay back the family. And the father just says, shut up. And throws his arms around him. Embraces him and kisses him and brings out the best robe and the expensive ring and the finest shoes. And he kills the fatted calf and he says, we're going to celebrate because that which was lost is now found. There will be no kazaza. There is no brokenness when you come to the Father. (laughs) He mends everything back together. Brokenness does not get the last word this morning. There is no kazaza in Fountain of Life this morning. Bring your brokenness to God this morning and He's going to run to you. Come on. Come on. There's going to be music. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be feasting because that which was lost has now been found. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've made some bad decisions. Maybe you've, you've, you've stolen. Maybe you've committed crimes. Maybe you've been through an ugly divorce. Maybe you've done some things that you can't, you can't even remember what all you've done. But you can come home right now. You'll take the first step right now. God is ready to run to you. None of us are perfect. My, my, my. We've all sinned. We've all fell short. God has a plan. And His plan is to make things right this morning. Come on. There's prodigals here right now. Come to your senses right now and come to the Father. He's ready to run to you with arms wide open. Come. Come on. Come on. Today is just for you. He throws his arms around him. He kisses him. He says, I accept you. Come on. God has designed this day just for you. Sons and daughters that are broken, come back Father, this morning. It's interesting to me that the Father, He accepts the Son before He ever changed. So many times we think we got to do so many things to make God love us. Listen to me. God loves you just as you are. He just wants you back. Today, come on, you can come home. If you'll make the first step, God's ready to run to you. Come on, come on, more. There's more. Come on, run to the Father. Some of you men, come on up here. Come on, run to the Father.
Nobody's perfect, church. Nobody.
know I'm embarrassing them right now just doing this. But... Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click Give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.